shit ride like my ghost I'm riding around my city with my hands strapped on my toes Cause these niggas want me dead and I gotta make it back home Cause my mama need that bill money, my son need some milk These niggas try to take my life, they fuck around, get killed You fuck around, you fuck around, you fuck around, get smoked Cause these silly niggas I pull with me don't fuck around, no joke No, all I know is murder When it come to me, I got young niggas that's rolling I got niggas throwing bees, I done did the DOS I done did the KODs Every time I'm in that bitch, I get to throwing dirty G's But now I'm hanging out that drop head, I'm riding down no collars Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about both Creed 3 and Cocaine Bear. Join me today. I just pulled them away from their tea party. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, how's it going? It's going beautifully. Thank you for having me. And Mo Adewunmi. Mo, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so Creed 3 is the newest installment in the Creed franchise, which, as everyone knows, is the conti- kind of a, you know, its own continuation of the Rocky franchise, though this movie is notable because there's actually no Rocky in it. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But Creed 3 is also the directorial debut of star Michael B. Jordan. And it's written by uh, Ryan Coogler, who directed the first one. It's it's written by his brother, Keenan Coogler, and Zach Balin, who has uh, d- done a lot of things in the last couple of years. He wrote King Richard, a movie that Mo and Daniel and I talked about over a year ago now. Uh, and that was kind of his debut thing. And then he moved on to this. So a lot of interesting talent uh, on, on, on behind the camera, but in front of the camera, uh, uh, kind of a new person joins the scene, uh, Jonathan Majors, who's obviously one of the most, uh, uh, one of the most uh, uh, visible actors going right now. Cause uh, Jonathan Majors plays the quote unquote villain in this movie, but like, you know, or the opponent or however you want to phrase it. Cause someone always has to be that person opposite antagonist antagonist. There we go. Uh, yeah. So he plays, uh, he plays uh, Damian Anderson, who, uh, is a childhood friend of Adonis's, and we start the movie when they're young. Uh, they are go- they're sneaking out at night for Dame to go participate in Golden Gloves boxing matches. It's implied that Marianne, uh, Adonis's adopted mother, would uh, not approve of this. He wins one of these. Uh, he w- wins one of these matches. They they go out afterward, and uh, and when they're uh, stopping off at a convenience store, uh, all of a sudden Adonis jumps a man, and we don't know why. Damian comes to his defense, but it, it it just does not end well for him as he pulls a gun, ends up in jail. Fast forward to present day, Adonis has retired since the events of the first couple of movies, and Damien pops up in his life, though, to, you know, announce that him, even though he's older than Adonis, he, he wants to, you know, resume a career in boxing, where Adonis obviously has a lot of clout these days. First, I want to jump into it with you, Mo, because I've never really talked with you that much about these movies before. Uh, I'm curious, what is your relationship with the first two Creed movies, and how did you enjoy them? And when you found out they were doing another movie on top of that, where did you think like, oh, all right, this is interesting that they're continuing this story after we kind of, you know, in theory left Adonis at a pretty good place in the last movie. I wonder how they're going to, this movie is going to justify its existence. And what did you ultimately think of Creed three as a continuation of this, this story? I thought it was a solid continuation of the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, uh, I always felt that like, with Creed 2, even though it definitely uh, could have been a wrapped up sequel, uh, it, it just seemed like there were probably more avenues to explore uh, with uh, Adonis's life and more more places to go. And I think that um, in terms of uh, how much I enjoyed the previous two movies, I enjoyed both of them. I th- honestly thought the first one was kind of better. And I'm uh, and with the third movie just now, uh, my initial uh, 
uh, evaluation is that I'm kind of, uh, it's kind of in the middle between the first and the second for me at this moment. Interesting. Uh, Daniel, I know you went on your own journey rewatching these movies over the last few days, as did I. How, how did you come away feeling about Michael B. Jordan's uh, debut film as a director? Well, you know, I saw the first two movies in theaters. I saw this one in theaters as well. And uh, always been a big fan of those two. Um, I actually think the second one is the better movie. Um, I think that it's actually far better than the first one, which I do still really like. Um, And I rewatched them actually last night and uh, I came away with the same impression. Um, For this one, I I didn't mind the continuation. In fact, I, I mean, I'd be down for them making like Creed eight, Creed nine. I don't care. Like, you know, I've got a lo- I've got a long list of people I want to see Creed fight. But um, that being said, like this one, I think narratively is the weakest one. And we could get into the whys behind that. But uh, I think that the story just isn't as as strong thematically as the other films. Um But I do think Michael B. Jordan brings a little something as a director that I think gives this entry its own identity. And, you know, maybe it uh, maybe I don't know if maybe like this will vibe with like people who are like huge fans of the franchise. But I think that it it points to a new direction for the series and uh, one that I'm I'm very excited to to, for it to go down this road. Yeah, I. Gosh, so I, I rewatched them too, and I'm, I'm curious to get into Michael B. Jordan as a director with you guys because I think uh, you guys might even know more about some of the stuff that inspired them. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know if you've seen any of his, uh, his interviews where he's talked about how anime actually influences him a lot, and he's a huge fan. Uh, but apparently, that's something that's pretty present there. And he does. And we should also note that it was the first ever sports movie shot exclusively on IMAX cameras. Uh, I don't know. If not ex- not exclusively, like the uh, the fight sequences. Oh, oh, or I, I feel like I saw it was a first something with respect to IMAX cameras. Yes, yeah, it was the first like sports movie where like the sports parts are captured with IMAX cameras. Oh, not, okay. It's not the entire thing. It's not Nolan. I got you. I got you. I, yeah, they certainly kind of found different ways to level up on this one. I think it's interesting what you said about the about the narrative of the movie. I I probably still prefer the first Creed, but I feel like the second one kind of gets unfairly maligned sometimes when people talk about it. Not that that's what you were doing, Mo. I think other people are like down on it just because it's like they they just like they they just a lot of some some critics just didn't like it. Some just like the first one a lot more. I think the second one is like incredibly strong still. And but I, but I think the I I don't know for some reason for me the first one just like moves incredibly well after watching it. And I think they do they both have their own strong narratives because I mean first of all we're kind of first seeing. Adonis, you know, reconcile the father he never knew in a lot in the first one. And even, even to some extent in the second one, when it's, but I think that's almost more about his ego as opposed to anything in the male ego in general is how it's kind of my read on the second one and how, you know, he feels the need to kind of avenge this thing with his father that no one else is really asking him to do. And Ivan Drago is dealing with that all on his own at the same time. And here, I feel like they actually like really, uh, whether or not they executed it, I think is up for debate. I think they really aspired to something here, though, narratively, Daniel. And I'm wondering what you think about that, because, you know, they're so focused on Creed himself in those first two movies. I think they're really more interested. They're really more interested in him than his the antagonist in the first one. That guy is a professional boxer. Maybe they didn't want to give him as much to do acting. The, the um, Ricky, pretty Ricky Conlon, the Irish guy. Right. Um, and then in the second one, Drago, like they, they they hired this, you know, this foreign actor that doesn't really say a ton, which was kind of like he's also Lundgren. a boxer, I believe. 
Yeah, and like, which is kind of what how Dolph Lundgren was used in Rocky Four, and and he is given more to do than he's really given actually more to do in uh, Creed Two than he was in Rocky Four, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I, and I I think that's a really good performance, and I find that stuff like incredibly moving. When Ivan throws in the towel at the end for his son, I actually was really moved by that moment in Creed Two, almost more than I was moved by a lot of stuff in Creed, even if I like Creed more. But I think they wanted to try and say something with the introduction of the Dame character, and you know you're going to get an actor that can act his ass off like Jonathan Majors. Felt like they actually like wanted to say something about something with uh, w- with him, with the fact he had been in prison, with the fact that like you know maybe he didn't have the same economic situation as Adonis did for a while. Felt like they were going for something, and I don't know if that's a if that's a feeling you got, Daniel, but it felt like they wanted to say something with that guy. And but it was almost like they had a a great performance in service of a character that they might not have even devoted enough time to. Yeah, that's absolutely how I feel. I um, actually agree with that too. Uh, just to jump that in there. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, guys. I mean, I was just gonna say that, like, yeah, like I, I feel like uh, Jonathan Majors uh, was fantastic as an antagonist, and his demeanor and everything else uh, gave a sympathetic character, but also was very irritating uh, <laughs> consistently, especially like some of the faces he made. Uh, but like. They didn't I I didn't feel like we got to spend enough time with him. I kind of felt that, you know, even though it was a two hour movie, I almost felt that the movie itself was kind of short, you know, hmm. uh, because I felt like we kind of jumped from uh, plot point to plot point in uh, terms of like their motivation for actually ending getting Adonis and getting Damien in the ring. But, you know, Daniel can expand on that if you'd like to. Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely with you. I think that, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Majors, of course, kills it. At this point, I don't even, he can't even, I, I don't know to give him credit for it anymore. He's too good <laughs> in everything. Uh, I've heard he's even good in the new Ant-Man movie. Holy shit. But uh, yeah, no, like he's great. And I do like the idea of like, okay, now this guy is Creed, who Creed was at the beginning of the last one, except without the sort of like, you know, well, you know, not to not to put too fine a point on it, silver spoon in his mouth, so to speak. He didn't have the household that uh, Apollo, I mean, Adonis uh, was provided. So um, to to like, I, I like that idea. That's a good kernel. That's a good start. Um, yeah. So let me let me let me add on to that. I and I'm curious. I, I saw one take somewhere. And I, it was, it, I, I can't say I fully actually, I can't, I, I don't want to even name who it was, even if I did remember, because I didn't, I might not even clicked on the article, but I feel like the, the lead into Twitter on this thing was, oh, this movie tells like, and it, like, t- it, 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 this movie really does a great job of telling like a story about race or something like that. And I don't know about that. And I, one thing I would, but one thing I did think about as I was watching this, and which was like a, a more recent conversation going on in sports about race somewhat. And you, you probably saw this. Mo. I don't know if you did, saw this, Daniel. You saw how Deion Sanders got in hot water last week. I yeah. don't even know who that I, is. I, oh, okay. I, I, I saw the um, the little controversy. Yeah. yeah so De- Deion Sanders is like a Hall of Fame cornerback, Daniel. He went to college at FSU. Uh, and played for the Cowboys and um, Falcons and stuff. And he, it, it was a whole thing in the last year because he he had spent two years like really coaching up Jackson State and HBCU, jumped to Colorado. There was a lot of talk about 
the way he did that and if he was just using HBCUs. But he, he was all, had an interview at the NFL Network last week where uh, he said uh, he, he, he got in kind of hot water for like kind of traffic and racial stereotypes. He's like, if I'm if I'm recruiting a quarterback, they need to come from a two parent. Oh, household. yeah, I saw need, that. I saw that. Yeah, they, they need to have good grades. They need to speak well. This, that they better have both their mom and dad in the house. Keep it, keep them right. That's how I want my quarterback, the leader of the team to be raised. On the other hand, if we're talking about defensive linemen, I want it for them coming from a single family, broken home. And like, really yeah, just yeah. Like, it's yeah, just yeah. That, that mindset of like, oh, they need to be hungry, you know? Right. And, and like, so that, that created its own thing. And then uh, one of my favorite uh, commentators is Bomani Jones. And he, he, he was brought on to kind of comment on this a little bit. And he was like, look, I think he's obviously missing the forest through the trees. The fact is like talking about this in terms of parents is incredibly short-sighted. The fact is, if you look at it, what, what that, that, that's really what, what you really should be saying is, you know, certain types of people you're thinking about, and the difference is they might come from a two check home as opposed to a one check home. And some of the differences you think of when you think about those kind of people can be like accounted for by a different economic circumstance as opposed to like, you know, your parental circumstance. And I think that like, and, and I think that one thing this movie could have done interestingly, and it goes to what Mo was saying about maybe it could have even been longer, which is a little odd to say about like a, like a two hour movie. But, you know, I think it, I think actually the story might have felt more complete if maybe you spend a little more time in that 2002 timeline and maybe have the the event that puts Dame in prison be a little different, you know, it could, or, or the circumstances by which he ends up in prison, whether it be they get in, they, they, they get in there together and Adonis just has far more resources and just gets out of it because he had a, has a, he has a mom that can afford a good lawyer or, uh, or something like that, or he's, or maybe Dame is driven to do something that puts him in jail because of his economic circumstances, as opposed to Adonis. And that would have been a way of kind of showing like, you know, how the, criminal justice system has like you know is way too far far predicated on the amount of resources you have or something like that uh and and, and then kind of jump to that and actually have them kind of d- discuss that a little more beyond the one dinner beyond the one diner scene that damon adonis have uh or something like that I, but like i feel like people are kind of extrapolating to this and to be it being some kind of racial statement of some kind and i didn't really see that but i thought maybe they didn't really spend enough time talking about their past to really have it amount to much more what do you think about that daniel um, I think that there's a world where like that stuff sort of lands, uh, but like this is where I'm like, I think the narrative of this one is far weaker. Um, a, I think it's far weaker thematically. The first two movies, I forgot how much of how much a part of it Rocky himself is um, and like how big fatherhood is in both films uh, here. Yeah, you know, you've got him with his family, but they are not really big parts of the film truthfully you know like i mean like yeah he has the scene with his daughter and such but like you know she unconditionally loves him and has no reason that's never challenged or anything like that so like i don't know like it it doesn't hit quite as well it is mostly about the relationship between these two men but as mo said we don't really see a ton of jonathan majors and i don't know that like you know while yeah you have that contrast between the two of them um i don't think there's there's enough done to sort of elucidate. I don't know if I'm using a, a word that exists there, but um, the differences between the two of them and like the paths that were not taken, like you, you got, said, I think you got it right. Maybe elucidate, maybe eliminate. I don't know. I think yeah, I, th- okay. I think you're close enough. So um, yeah, no, like so it could have, uh, you know, they could have had a different inciting incident. You know, the reason for their split. You know, like you could have had just more scenes with the two of them and exploring the contours of their new relationship where now Adonis 
is the you know heavyweight he's the one who's living his dream and he's envious of that and you know like and seeing how that sort of deteriorates a relationship that um you know they're trying to rebuild um yeah. I think that would have made for a more interesting sort of uh, narrative if you've given more time to develop it. Yeah, you get you get hints of it throughout the movie. The fact that um, he wants to be uh, he first approaches him with heavyweight champion and he says, well, this is how you got it right. He, um, you know, says, hey, I didn't come here to be no punching bag when he's working out with the Mexican champion. And then when it gets down to after the fight, Damien's triumphant. He's got his posse around him, which I think the beach scene was genuinely ridiculous. That was the yeah. one thing that, that kind of cackling goons. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like just kind of took me out of the movie. They're all kind of laughing at him as Michael B. Jordan just walks up and just Superman punches one dude out. And it's just it's a little weird. But like Damien says, you know, I'm coming for everything. And we don't necessarily know what the what fuck that does that mean? Means. <laughs> you know, we don't necessarily get to see what that means until and like we and and then we just sort of skip to, you know, after um Adonis's uh adopted mother dies and he's talking to his wife, which I do believe is kind of is one of the themes that they're trying to establish with the family is more like opening up to family, opening up to spouse and stuff. But like he says, he's not going to stop. And that whole time I'm just thinking, stop. Stop What? what? Yes. No, you know? it's absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. It's, it's the, it's the one, it's the one weird, it's the one like self-contained narrative issue that I had a problem with. And, um, let me ask you this, I, narratively speaking as well, the setting up of the fight, that is kind of a suspension of disbelief thing you kind of have to like get through in these movies, in my opinion. It's kind of weird, but it's like, it's just the underdog story. That's historically what the Rocky movies are. You know, in the first Rocky movie, he gets plucked from obscurity to fight Apollo Creed. It's, just, it's kind of what it is, and I'm okay with that. But I thought it was a little ambiguous as to like, you know, what exactly they're adonis's job was at the start of this movie where it's like I, I suppose he's an investor in this gym but he can also kind of get in the fight promotion game where he can make money off of like this fight even happening in the first place but then he, it's like he basically runs like he, he's he's kind of like new mayweather you know but mayweather who like uh who who still knocks people out from time to time you know like that's kind of what adonis is at this point because it's like you know, you even get to see it at the start of the movie when you're doing that little matrixy scene with like the uh, the boxer from the first uh, Creed movie. And he's like, oh, I got this checkmate. And like, you know, he's able to like uh, give give him like a crazy shot or do some some crazy move and put the fight away. And that's kind of what he he's like this like wise sage of boxing now. <laughs> that has gotten out of the game and now his whole thing is like well, i'm his, giving his, the new generation a shot well yeah his so. literal his literal job is that he runs the delphi gym like he runs yeah. uh, his his dad's old gym pretty much uh and like you know he's got the guy who's his coach now and he has a fighter who works out at that gym he has, he pretty much like is the um the manager of a fighter 
uh, pretty much from my understanding, who is now the heavyweight champion, even though that dude is not a heavyweight. That dude is like, I, I looked <laughs> him up. Like I, I was like, there's no way that man's a heavyweight. He's yeah. a, a welterweight, like, you know, but whatever. whatever. Creed movies struggle with, with, uh, with size issues. The, the most ridiculous being uh, Adonis versus Drago. That, yeah, that, that shit man, would not be that man's sanctioned. A, that man's a cruiserweight. <laughs> it's the same thing it's the same thing in basically every rocky movie with sylvester stallone compared to like anyone that they fight i mean he gets ripped but he's nowhere he's like miniature compared to everyone else yeah. but my, my, my point being i was almost yeah. a little confused as to what he i bet that i had forgotten because like i kind of missed it in the movie that in what daniel picked up or like he like mo i was confused where like rocky sees the photo that his mom shows him that he never gave him adonis. From dame's letters adonis from, you said adonis. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah adonis his mom shows him the photo from uh dame's letter dame's withheld letters and he picks up that one of the guys in the photo is a friend that, and that was the same guy that broke drago's hand Mm-hmm. And I I actually missed that. And I guess that's why he's more mad at him than anything. And for a, for a while, though, I was thinking, oh, he must be mad at him. Why is he mad that he like beat this boxer? Now Dame can just be like his new champion. But then all of a sudden, Dame is just like pissed at him. You know, well, mm-hmm. I, I will say I will say this um, in regards to like us talking about the stake. Um, mm-hmm. I actually was uh, on Letterboxd. This guy that I follow, who I really quite respect, uh, was like, there's no way I can get into the end of the movie because I mean, you know dame is trying to do his best to live in a world that like kind of like he he was robbed of his opportunity like he's coming out of 20 years in prison like you know in a in the fucking american penal system how the hell am i going to root against this man you know <laughs> how am i how the hell am i going to root for creed and while i understand that i do think it's more of an issue of not really fully elaborating you know the the relationship between these two men i think that if they spent more time dealing with the fallout of the fight if they spend more time mm-hmm. elucidating like you know what is the what is at stake like you know you get he goes on Stephen a smith's show and like Stephen a smith is like he's out here calling you a fraud he's calling you this he's calling you that and i do think that there's i mean maybe this is me yeah, but, like, but, but, but you're right it makes the stakes weird when he's on first take it's like a fraud for what like, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. So, because so, he beat he beat Conlon like a little well, later in his career. Like, well, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I do think that like if they go into like I mean the fallout of that fight. All right, so which we could talk about the action a little bit, but like uh you know Dame fights dirty. He's you know flouting the rules constantly. Uh, like it's pretty much the only reason I think it's implied that he's able to win is that he fights dirty. Uh, and you know, he's a man that like, you know, would have never gotten this opportunity if it weren't for the fact that Adonis vouched for him. Adonis was given that opportunity. Sure. But he fought clean fights. Uh, in fact, the first movie again, like, like Rocky, he doesn't win. So like, uh, you know, he, and like, you know, but he becomes stronger through that defeat, whereas Dame is too hungry in a way uh, he gets he lets all his pain get to his head too much. He doesn't have a Rocky in his corner. And, uh, you know, and so that's what that and he feels the urgency much more because he's older, older. than Creed. Yeah, which is funny and... because, you know, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan is like four years older than this guy. But like, yeah, you know, we buy it. We buy it. But like. We... But like the that's and the, and that also brings me to like what I think is what what Daniel is trying to uh what Daniel is also like you know getting at is all the movie had to do is show us what Dame is kind of doing to generate this like threat generate this stakes he's right. slandering your name oh what's he saying honestly think that like you know if they had played the inciting incident of let's fight from 
Dame doing an interview instead where Dame is doing the trash talking, where Dame mm. is doing the um well you know slandering or like where dame is or dame is basically challenging not just the mexican boxer who he ends up beating but like all of his boys to fight or he's beating he's beating up like a a bunch of like uh adonis's students or he's getting other guys from prison to beat up or 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 what i was getting at was what i was getting at was that like you know adonis you know, he staked his name on this fight. Like he got Dame this opportunity and in getting him this opportunity and suddenly this guy's fighting dirty. He like, you know, injures the guy, like, I guess more than you're supposed to get injured in a boxing match, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another part of the movie where I would talk about it a little bit, but like, you know, like it, it, it ruins his reputation, you know? And, uh, you know, that means a lot in the world of boxing. And I think that if they spent more time exploring this world and what, the, you know, his actions mean for Creed uh, in this world, if they, you know, show that like he actually does have skin in this game versus cool. like, you know, I mean, because he's living in this nice ass mansion. Like, are we supposed to be mad that Dame is trash talking him? Like, we need the he's consequences. Okay. Well, yeah, I, we need I, the consequences. Well, so I don't know how much room there is in the movie to make the guy a bigger character, but he his quote unquote heavyweight oh, I mean, guy. Th- th- this movie, this movie, by the way, is like an hour fifty minutes. Like, it is, I think, the shortest by yeah, far. Yeah, no, the, the, the first year longer. Yeah, and so the right, so they have, they have more room to expand on any number of things, I suppose. But like, I think one area where that maybe that helps is like if we spend a little more time with his quote unquote heavyweight champ the the guy that the his hispanic fighter that dame beats because i think that is where we're meant to like see there a, a big problem that like adonis had this lapse in judgment where he put this guy out there that is a little bit of a loose cannon and who who, who just went and played dirty and beat his guy that he's been building up for a while to lead up to this fight and i get i, I and they, they kind of hinted it like look this is time sensitive for him. He needs to strike while the iron's hot while he's the number one guy he needs to get his big payday and fight someone. But like Adonis, like probably didn't think that through and didn't realize that his friend was going to approach it this way. And I think that's, but like, you don't really ever, you almost, you maybe only see them, that guy and his mom, like one more time, the rest of the movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's like, if you had like seen that have some real cost on them, that would make Creed feel bad. It still doesn't necessarily seem like it's a great reason for him to, uh, to fight again. But uh, again, like what you said, it would said, have been could, acceptable they, enough. Right. Yeah. Maybe just like to, to like try and, I guess, make it right with them or to like, you know, do something on behalf of these people that like is presumably he'd been mentoring this guy for a while and building him up. And then he just put him in a real bad situation. And uh, we didn't really see the fallout from that guy's perspective enough. We just kind of hear game like going off and we're supposed to be like, all right, that's good enough reason to come out of retirement I, after three years and put yourself in harm's way. I do want to compliment the movie, though. I, I, I do say, uh, you know, understanding that these are all like boxers so of course they're going to be able to make the boxing look good Mm -hmm. but like that was one of the things that like i i sort of missed in like previous uh like you know either fight movies or even like sometimes a couple rocky movies were like oh these guys don't actually look like they're very good at boxing and Mm -hmm. like this the fight beat like especially the second and the third fight the fight with the mexican boxer he looked like he he was not somebody to mess with whatsoever the whole fight even with damien being so much larger than him he seemed so sound and like the way they captured it was so sound and it was like very and it seemed very clear that dame had to cheat in order to get uh, in order to get over him because like he was uh 
he was very, very skilled in the fight. And it was very much displayed. And that was something that I definitely enjoyed. I And like with the final fight, you know, I definitely saw like a lot of really good technical boxing skills. But as you alluded to, you know, some of the anime influences, uh, you know, I, I, I recalled seeing like at the end where they almost knock each other out with a yeah. punch. And I'm just like, that's Dragon Ball Z. Like, for sure, sure. I I, I should say I'm not a huge anime guy, but like, uh, you know, you know, I know that like, you know, he's pulling from Dragon Ball Z, he's pulling from Naruto. He's definitely Mm -hmm. pulling from uh, the clips that I've seen from I don't know how to pronounce this. I apologize. Hajime no no Ippo, the boxing anime. It's like the number one boxing anime. There's multiple, but this is the biggest one. And like from the clips that I see, like he's the way that he's using the camera, the way that he's emphasizing the hits. I will say that this is. Uh, you know, this is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. And I got even though I think that, you know, the narrative is weaker. I mean, apparently you told me that it was written by one of the motherfuckers who wrote King Richard. So (laughs) it kind of makes sense. And I do think that the anime influence might also kind of lay into the kind of simplicity of the plot that kind of works against it. But I and and stylistically, I think that outside the boxing matches, it it can get a little pedestrian. Uh, I think I'm not a huge fan of the score and such. Um, But when it gets into the ring, this is by far like best action in a Creed movie. Oh, God. Uh, Like it is. I really enjoy it. Because like, you know, like the way that they visualize, you know, it's not like, you know, this is nothing groundbreaking, but the way that they visualize like fight IQ, the way they visualize a fighter kind of seeing the flaws in his opponent's techniques, that's certainly anime. Like that is de- 100% mm-hmm. like Yu Yu Hakusho or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like I love those sorts of moments. And uh, it really, and the fact that they shoot almost entirely within the the ring, they keep you within the ring. Whereas I, I when I watch, like when I rewatched Creed and Creed 2, there's a lot of cutting into the ring outside the ring they're making it look like it's like a tv camera like you're watching on hbo sports people watching on tv they're cutting away from the action way too much i think because they feel indebted to i guess the cinematic language of the sports film and also just how people watch boxing you know but in this one they uh keep it within the action uh they keep you within the ring the mindset of the fighters the choreography, I think, is like certainly the best. Like we, I want to point call out, um, especially Jonathan Majors' choreography because I, I don't know how much of this is Jonathan Majors just isn't a boxer and hasn't had three movies to like practice boxing technique. Um, I, I feel like he's a little clumsier. Like he's I feel supposed like he's to be, a little, he's supposed to be exactly, like exactly. Strength. This is and this is where I'm saying that it's not brute strength. He's runs kind of by fighting kind of dirty and having like a fi- high fight IQ, uh, a high fight IQ. And I think this is one of those beautiful cases where the choreography and the way that the characters move reveal their character. This is where, mm-hmm. you know, when I say action is storytelling, it's not a break from the uh, from the plot and the story. It is the plot and the story. Uh, and like the, the way he's throwing these wild haymakers, the way that he's very loose. Um, I say bo- I should say boxing movies. Uh, they have a, a difficulty because, you know, when you're boxing as Mo knows, our resident, the, re- the Rewind's oh, resident boxer, uh, he's uh, when you're boxing, like you're trying not to telegraph your movements. You're trying to keep things tight in order to generate the most power, not, ex- you know, ex- energy the you know redirect energy out into the ether you're trying to put it at as much force into your opponent as possible which means keeping things shorter not using a ton of range of motion and shit um generally um but 
you know, that's not conducive to shooting an action set piece. And this film manages to both uh, like, you know, they're using the capabilities of the boxers really like Mo said, the Mexican guy, he's a real boxer. And you can definitely tell the way that he's moving, like he's really, really fast and such. But um, they also are taking these sorts of more these deviations that are completely not how you would box in real life. You know, these very wild swings and such uh, in order to sort of, you know, create a dynamic action set piece. It's the first of these Creed movies, and I've never seen the, the Rocky movies, but it's the certainly the first of the Creed movies that feels like an action movie to me, despite Wait, the fact there's only like what, 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 let me ask you about that, because what, so what about the, in the, one of my things that was kind of a criticism in the first Creed movie that I've like cared less about with every time I've watched it was that like, I thought the final fight felt like a letdown because I think the second fight in Creed is the best fight in any of these movies, like where it's the two round water. And I just think that is like one of the most uh, one of the most intense like boxing matches I've ever seen in a movie. And then like I, I, I if you go back, you can go back and listen to, to, to the, the eight year old podcast I did on this on, on the original Creed, where I talked about how like it just felt like I was let down by the last fight because it felt like there was way too much cutting and it just like to the stands and stuff. And it, it, they never built any tension, whereas like that second fight where they just it's all one shot is just incredible. But like when I when I went back. And there's a moment in, I think the, there's a moment in, in, in the first Creed that is in the, um, that the, the second round of that fight where like, where Creed's turn stuff or ter starts turning things around. And like, I got a huge rush out of that on this last viewing in a way that like made me like appreciate that final fight more. But like, I actually think the, and I, I might be willing to hear the argument that like the, on the on on the average that like the fights in creed three are better than anywhere else but like i think this I, i'd still take the second fight in the original creed above anything else where he fights that guy in philadelphia yeah it's okay but the problem he, there is that i mean it's fine don't get me wrong and it's certainly like the best out of the first two movies mm. um but I, I don't know like when it comes to oneers in action films i'm always a little like like they, they get used a lot especially these days and I think, well, the, I think there's a difference. Between, I, I, does, they don't happen that often in sports movies, though. I think this is that. That's well, I, I think that's unique. one of my issues. That's one of my issues. Oh. Of. Um, well, because like, all right. So the way I see it is that, you know, in a ring, when you're doing a shooting a fight scene within a ring, uh, you know, like it's 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 tough because like, you know, there's no geography to be it, to be had. It's just these two people duking it out. Boxing has a certain set of rules, has a certain language to it that um, if you're into boxing, uh, you sort of, uh, you, know, you know, you sort of understand. And like if you're not can get a little a little dull, like in real life uh, now in a film like the, the, the problem, I think, is that you need to figure out like how to telegraph to an audience that isn't familiar with boxing, with fighting, like what are these two men's styles or, or you know, these two people's styles? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is the rhythm of the fight? Where is the momentum shift happening? Uh, and I think that fight scene does okay at it. But uh, the thing is, when it comes to shooting an action scene, cutting is not a bad thing. Cutting is what, I mean, that's the rhythm of film. That's the cinematic right. language. It's all about timing and keeping it within one, you know, keeping it in one single shot. Yeah, it's cool. Sure. But it also means that you're not allowed the sort of stylistic deviations. You're not allowed the sort of like emphasizing certain moments, certain glances, certain things a fighter picks up on that, you know, taking a more uh, uh, stylistic approach, a more idiosyncratic approach definitely does like uh you know like in the 
final fight scene of Creed three, where like the stands empty out and it's just them fighting in an empty stadium just the two of them something i wanted to also bring up because it's it's definitely something that they say like you know the loneliest place is the ring because it's literally just you and the opponent and i really felt like i was in there with them and from time to time switching between their perspectives and i thought that that was kind of wonderful yeah, it is a powerfully like, you know, vi- entirely visually it sort of conveys the experience of being in the ring with these men, I think, in a more poetic and more interesting and more evocative way than just shooting a one which is still, you know, it's still good. Don't get me wrong, but it just means that you it doesn't allow for the same sort of language uh, that you can use, the sort of grammar you can use if you aren't just stuck in a water. Yeah, I hear I, I hear you on that. I I, I I wish I had time to have gone back and seen Creed 3 again. I think I feel like I could have, because uh, I don't even know if I picked up on quite the same amount of nuances that you did. And in the moment, I certainly did. It's just when you watch these three movies in three days, in like over two days, it, some of it blurs together in a bit. Definitely, so yeah. I, so, so like, I, I'm not sure if there was like a, I, I feel like I do remember a few of the moments you're talking about where you actually kind of picked up on their stylistic differences throughout the fight. And I can see how, I can see how the cutting would be, would be, would be good for that. I just, I think, I think I, 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 it's just, I, I've seen Creed the most man on like the second one just kind of does it for me in a way, almost no other fight in a Rocky movie does. But like, I, 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 I really appreciate the, what you picked up on Daniel, especially as someone that's like not traditionally a huge sports guy. I think it's cool that like that stuff really jumped out to you. So um, you guys kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but like it, one, with respect to like uh, Adonis's family and stuff like that, wondering uh, compared to like the first couple of movies, I mean, I, I totally understandable. I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, they need to actually give Tessa Thompson something to do in these movies. Uh, I feel like it, I feel like though, you know, well, one thing it looks like maybe they're trying to set up a, a whole spinoff for his daughter. But at the same time, like, <laughs> which I'm you know, fucking in for. Oh my really, god. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I, I, I mean, a, a deaf boxer would be interesting. But uh, you know, I think there, there, there's a character that Heidi Gardner plays on SNL that's like every wife in a boxing movie, and you know, <laughs> and, 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 and I, I highly recommend like googling like Heidi Heidi Gardner or YouTubing Heidi Gardner boxing wife, and you'll get a real kick out of it. And there is, certainly is a stereotype to that in these movies. I do think that like you know, maybe like the, the, the whole, the, the degenerative hearing loss and the singing thing, like those are pretty quick things you could give her to just make her feel a little weightier than other people in other people in a movie. But I feel like she is given like more to do than your average sports movie wife. Not to say that there's not more they could have done, but like, I do feel like they do a decent amount of job of developing his home life and also making him kind of look like a bit of a prick for taking it for granted and having to learn a lesson in that regard. I'm wondering how you felt about like how they kind of depicted what Adonis had going on at home as compared to everything else we're seeing in the movie mo and if that stuff was interesting to you um it was it was a little bit interesting Mm -hmm. in in the sense that like you know he's clearly like not fully used to being like a fully present uh husband and father and he hasn't had to be you know because like he was uh you know like for uh much of that time he was still out there boxing and even now he's still kind of out there promoting. And so he doesn't necessarily have to talk about like things that may or may not be affecting him, uh, et cetera, and especially when he's been riding high. So for so long, but it's, so I found a lot of the scenes where Tessa, uh, Tessa Thompson's character is just trying to 
pry like trying to get like you know what is bothering you out of him i felt it was very believable uh because it's just like uh no it's not like an annoying tick or anything like that she just wants to know how she can help you because you're not you're at yourself right now and she kind of and like the family kind of needs you to 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 be and like he he has the compulsion to just sort of like you know push it away because of because of you know the trauma that he experienced because like you know who who really wants to delve into that and it was interesting seeing a little bit of the disconnect because you can sort of tell that like yeah tessa's been through uh her character has been through her own stuff for sure she said that like uh uh adonis's mom was the closest thing she had to a mom but at the same time like it seemed like she was still so far away from the experiences that he actually grew up in and it was and so for for um for adonis in that sense it was like well how can i even where where do i even start like how do i even like you know say any of this stuff you know are you even gonna be receptive da 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 you know like i can see why he would be so like averse even like broaching it at all you know so yeah daniel what did you think about that in like the ultimate revelation of what their trauma was because they really kind of the movie doesn't like give the audience that information until the point that adonis opens up so i i I was almost like assuming this guy might have like sexually abused them or something i didn't know if that's where where it was going to go seemed like it was more just like physical abuse ultimately how did you think the movie handled that subject matter yeah, poorly. I mean, like, uh, I, I should say that, like, Tessa Thompson, I rewatched the first Creed and I was like, damn, I forgot when she was like a character. Like, <laughs> you know, like the first movie, she's like really self-possessed. She's got her own shit going on. Like she's there for Donnie, sure. But like she is her own woman and like watching them sort of the relationship grow and such is very sweet. And, you know, like it, it feels like two people interacting and to somewhat the same extent in the second one where she, you know, they get married, she gets pregnant and they're trying to navigate all that and navigating what he has to lose in the ring going against uh, Drago's son. But in this one, um, you know, she's just kind of the wife. Sorry. Like she is kind of just the wife and like she's trying to get him to open up, which is also something that she does in the last two movies. So, you know, it's the does series. She, does she really try to get him to open up as much as we see here? And, and like on in under the circumstances too, because like I, I I'm not entirely sure it's like I, I don't think it, it feels the same in the first two movies as it does in this one. Fair enough. Uh, not quite so uh, explicitly is it about like him opening up. But um, I mean, it's still there. Like, you know, he's still a guy who like, you know, like in the first two movies, he lashes out emotionally in these sorts of ways and like shuts people out in this and that. And like she is, you know, she does try to build bridges with him. Right. Uh, here it's more explicit, although... <sighs> Like the the revelation of what the nature of the sort of uh, incident that caused this trauma was, it's kind of undercut by the fact the movie opens with the incident. And uh, it's also just not that I, I, I don't mean to be like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like considering the the weight of the final fight, like it doesn't it doesn't I don't know, like it just doesn't feel it's not as dramatic as uh, as 
it's you thought it yeah was. it's like he he fought a guy and then dame showed up with a gun and dame got locked up for 20 years for that which is bullshit you know but like well believable. bullshit as in no no, no but believable <laughs> but I, I meant to say it's bullshit as if like you know it actually just happened i'm like that's fucking bullshit that's what i meant mm-hmm. um are supposed, wait, like, so, are, so are we supposed to believe he fired the gun uh, no, no, he never said. Oh, yeah, right, he, right, he right, just right. pulled it. Oh. He just pulls it. Okay, but, like, sorry, sorry. I thought you said shot. I thought you said shot. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But he has priors and like you know. And this is where like you but know. But the traumatizing sort of... incident was um is isn't the the uh when Adonis jumps him. The traumatizing incident was what happened years prior when Adonis was growing up in those group homes and Leon was the group home dad and he was right. beating on him. But they but and you know they they get they a couple lines of dialogue. And they they say that and then they just skate over it like there's no even uh I don't know, like not to say that I wanted to see like a bunch of exploitation footage, but like, you know, like a flashback maybe to, to really or maybe if the movie opened with that instead, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like there's like th- get skating over it like this, this trauma that the shared trauma between the two of them that made them brothers. It just doesn't it doesn't it means I don't know, it just doesn't land emotionally for me. You know, I think that restructuring the film in a way that like, you know, the drama is, I guess, more readily, I don't know, apparent to the audience or something. It it feels like they're trying to get it to like feed into like, like they're trying to use that to kind of funnel into like whatever Adonis needs to work out with that final fight. Seems like that's kind of what it's getting at. And that kind of it, it all goes together. I almost like understand any kind of guilt he feels with Dame, but that's really separate from the fight. It's like he's dealing with all of this trauma. That doesn't really it feels like its own separate thing, wholly from what the like the the culminating event of the film is. Well, that's where Dame is supposed to represent sort of like he's supposed to he's supposed to be like a physical manifestation of like yeah. the ghost of his past sure. uh, that he's trying to run away from and ignore, and he can't. He needs to face them head on. But this is where the disconnect between like you know what Dame is supposed to represent and how he's actually treated within the text of the film. Uh, yeah. You know, the fact that we never get to really see the different like their evolving relationship explored the fact that we I mean, the fact that they try to make Dame out to be like this villain through like, I mean, the, the, I should say that the hiring of like the thug to like break Drago's hand. That's a little hack. I'm sorry. Like, that's a little that's a, like like a mustachio twirly a mustache twirling villain. Like, I don't need that shit. Like, you know, you could have just had, you know, Dame gets an opportunity to get in this fight and then he chooses it chooses to use that spotlight to like fight dirty and that sort of ruins Creed's name I don't know there's like a thousand different ways the story could have made this narrative made this thematic connection cleaner well once they're once they're in the fight I think the stakes are pretty clear you know, well, the I stakes mean? are clear. Like he needs to beat his ass, and like, right, you know. right. well, it needs to beat his ass for his own reasons, but also for his own legacy. You know, like it would he, he like went out on top, and he would just look like a fool if he like comes back to fight this dude, and then just like loses to some guy that has like one career fight under his belt. So there's stakes once it's there. It was just like getting him into the ring didn't really it wasn't like that was like the more challenging part with respect to what the stakes were like what were the stakes that made you do this but once you do it like they're obvious is, is yeah. my thing it's just like it seemed like I, I i thought it was a little all whatever it was he was processing throughout and dame dame dame's part in the story dame's part of his story versus just like the tr- the separate trauma he sustained w- with dame when they were younger i just don't know if like 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 we said it was the shortest of these movies and if it had just been as long as these other movies maybe they could have like filled in a few of these gaps and i do feel like i i feel like i'm being like a little too negative so we don't have a ton- I, was about, I was about to say that i feel a little too negative too because yeah i think we all like it okay 
Yeah, I still here's the thing. I'm still bought into the Creed character. I think that a large part of why I'm willing to accept these sorts of like I feel like narrative failings is that I, you know, I've had two movies to watch this man develop, this character develop into the man he is, I guess, today. Well, well, uh, you know, spe- speaking of that, those two movies and him developing as a man, did, did you miss Rocky one bit as a character? Uh, Not too much. I, I find it jarring that they don't mention his name at all in the movie or like yeah no like literally at all uh they i think i think dame, to... I, th- I thought i thought dame might have referenced him once when he was saying about like him getting a shot out of nowhere like dame was asking yeah, for yeah that like was maybe like it. once but like i mean like really reference like him the person like what he's up to at this very present moment oh, yeah that that would have at least i would have been able to at least move on from that because like they don't have to like show him in the movie they just have to like you know that 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 guy trained you to be a to to be a heavyweight champion and to defend that title. And he and, was your dad. And he much. was your he's your god he's your daughter's godfather. Yeah, yeah he's your point. daughter's yeah, like it's it's like narratively, like it was weird. And it's one of those like little things that makes it honestly like the most disconnected from the rest of the Rocky universe. Uh the other things are like some of the way they like tried to export a retreads is just you know like it the theme is that boxing is a young man sport but we're seeing the the old champion from the first rocky movie who was already on his way out of the sport as uh as uh adonis's former final champ uh oh, yeah, in the first fight in the first, in the fight, first right? fight yeah yeah, yeah like that yeah that's funny that's funny that you put, and also they're <laughs> they're now they're now fighting for the heavyweight title which that's a guy i didn't look him up but like there's no way that man's a heavyweight like you know i mean i don't know like, i don't i think it's i don't know that i even believe that you know donnie is a heavyweight but yeah on the, on the stallone thing I, th- I one thing we didn't mention at the time i didn't mention already though is that like he apparently had a falling out with some of the producers of these movies uh, Erwin Winkler, who's like 90 something years old, but is apparently still producing these movies somehow. Uh, he, 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 he goes all the way back to like the first Rocky movie as a producer. And apparently they're like, I, I, I didn't actually read up on it completely. I don't know if it was simply a matter of like Stallone wanting the rights to Rocky outright or like wanting some other financial dispute over like what kind of stake he had in it. But like that, that was kind of one of the driving forces behind him not being in the movie at all. And I, I'll say like, I kind of get, I, I get what you guys are saying. It's like, they could have like always paid lip service to like how big of a part he was in their life when they're going through all these big life things. But like, at the same time, I think they left Rocky in a pretty good spot at the end of two. It's like, you know, to go reconnect with his son at the alt after all that time. But it's like, that doesn't mean he's just going to like stop ever talking to Adonis and Bianca who also like grew kind of close to him, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and that, also it's like, I don't think Rocky's is only hanging out in Vancouver too, though. This one doesn't, is this one is not in Philadelphia at all. Like maybe he's going back and forth between the two more. It doesn't leave him so much time to go to LA, but like, hell, what have you even made sense? To like have him like FaceTime him once, you know? Yeah. I mean, I suppose, but at the same time, I won't lie. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, isn't he accused of like raping a bunch of people? Like he's accused of raping a bunch of teenagers and also his half sister for like years. So Whoa. like, yeah, yeah. So Whoa. I'm not too mad. I'm not too yeah, mad about yeah, the inclusion yeah, yeah. of the, the the fact that, oh, yeah, Rocky's not there. That being said, I do admit that narratively, at least it is weird that like the father figure of the first two movies, who is such a big part of the, the, the DNA of those first two movies. I forgot how big a part he plays, kind of. 
Um, it is weird that, you know, they're not even like, hey, you talk to Uncle Rock, like, you know. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Does, does, does Rocky think you should be fighting this guy? Whatever. You know, uh, yeah. it, 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 it would have been, I, I didn't need him to be a real character, but like some acknowledgement of the role he played in their lives maybe would have made a little sense considering like, yeah, like you said, basically surrogate father figure that he seeks out. And, you know, one thing I like about the first two movies in a way is that like, I think it avoids like the stereotype of like, you know, the athlete that just can't take any coaching. And it's like, you're almost conditioned to think that he's going to be like resistant to Rocky at some point. And like, basically at every point in those first two movies, whenever Rocky does give him some kind of advice, he's like, Adonis takes it, you know? And I I I think it's like, you're almost, you you almost don't, you you almost don't expect it to go like that. You think you you expect some of the conflict to come from the coaching. And he's like, he recognized like, no, I needed help. And this guy can help me. And I really want it. And I want to connect with them. And given how like, you given the fealty you would assume you would have to rocky it's just a little odd you know uh what goes on here but like i didn't really need rocky that much as a character as much as i like actually loved sylvester Stallone's performances in those last two movies but daniel makes a fair point there's been some iffy stuff about his uh personal life so i wouldn't blame him for that factored into the equation as well uh mo mo i know you got to go in the next few minutes is there anything else about the movie we didn't touch on yet that you wanted to highlight yeah about drago mm-hmm. i like that they included him in the movie it would have been a little bit cooler if they had just like had him pop up in the training se- uh, series, you know, because like it, it kind of like it just kind of undercut like, you know, he's he's like a former rival turned friend. And I like I always love that dynamic. Like it always plays Wait, well. He does. He does. Yeah, he does. I thought, show up I thought he was helping montage. him. Yeah, no, no, no. I said so it would have been a little bit cooler if he, that was where he was introduced. In oh, this movie. As, as opposed That's to like what, just being like hanging out in the earlier part. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because well, yeah, I, I, well, he does show up in the training segment. So like, I mean, I don't know, like that. I, 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 I'm I, fine with him being introduced earlier and then showing back up like, hey, my hand's healed. and I'm ready to help you take this guy out. Yeah, I, I well, guess I, so. I guess like they made it clear. Well. When, when he first shows up in Creed 3, is it at the gym? Is he working out there? Or is no, it, he's is going it to the no, He's going no, no. to the um, party. The party, oh, it's at yeah. the party, right. It's at the yeah. party. Well, okay, I, I, I couldn't remember if – I thought maybe we had seen him. Or maybe – no, because you knew he was going to be in the fight. So that's why he, like, showed up on Correct. this – he showed up, like, in the footage – of them promoting the fight and then he's at the party. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I did. Uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of see what Mo's saying. Cause we all agree. Like the, the whole broken hand thing wasn't necessarily like the strongest plot point of the movie, but yeah. I, I, I do like, I, I do like that Mo brought that up and that like, I kind of like that. It's just, you, you don't, I like that. They don't over explain it. It's just kind of understood. Like, Hey, like as, as much shit as they went through in the last one, it kind of like Adonis kind of like is cool with him. You know, I kind of, I kind of yeah. like you, you can kind of impl- infer how that would have happened. And I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I really enjoyed that um, his daughter Amara just straight up punched that girl in the face. Like it was just <laughs> no hesitation, like, no hesitation, just just straight hands. I Catch love these hands. I, yeah, I, I, I would love like a spinoff series with her. Like, oh, yeah, in, like in like five years time or however long it takes. Just, you know? just give just give us grand granddaughter Creed. It, yeah. That would be I do. Awesome. I do like how you know, it puts Adonis in a few uncomfortable situations where it's like, with respect to that storyline, which we didn't discuss that much. I do like it how it keeps putting Adonis in the situations where it's like, do we really need to solve our problems with fighting? Do we really need to solve our problems with fighting? And like, it's like, it's like, he's like, kind of processing it and like yeah maybe you have a point though i kind of want to keep t-shirt out of fight but it, it all culminates in him just kind of solving his problems with fighting anyway. <laughs> hey, i mean that's a, here's the thing it's the language of these two men like yeah. this is what's in their blood so like i don't know like i i buy into it i hear you but also i'm like 
yeah, no, it's a I'm, boxing movie. I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even totally saying that as a criticism, but it, it, it's just like an interesting hypocrisy that he has to like kind of reconcile. And I, I, I would, I would argue like there probably is a little more ground for them to cover. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know if they would like. We should. We should also say this movie did incredibly well at the box office. Uh, I think it was like maybe one of the highest openings for a sports movie ever, or something like that, and uh, broke a hundred million dollars globally, and which is just really, really impressive. First and weekend. First weekend. So it's yeah. very impressive for like a non-superhero. Movie. Movie. Well, it is a franchise. It's not on the level of like superhero movies, and not not so many things are making big money these days besides superhero movies with COVID. They did a really good job marketing it. Um, yeah, sure. I, I mean, shit, I'll probably go back to see it. You know, oh, yeah, yeah no, I'll no, see it again. I, I, yeah, I might too. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't, you know. I'm sure they would do it and I would find a way to get behind it. But like with every single movie, it becomes less plausible. Like why would Adonis keep fighting when we've seen how, how well he's living, you know, he's made big money in a way that Rocky never really made big money as far as we knew in the earlier movies. And I guess we did see Rocky in a nice house in Rocky four point being, uh, you know, I don't know how, what kind of resources they put behind a movie about his daughter, but I do think there is fertile ground there to be like, especially when you're dealing with like the hormones of a child that might like to fight. And like to see like how that he would like kind of respond to that, where it's like she's seen him like work out his issues through fighting the whole time. And now we see she has a tendency towards aggression. Uh, With that, like, I do have to sign off, boys. Oh, OK. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Mo, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Mo, Mo has some uh, prior engagements he needs to attend to. We appreciate the time. If you have Always time, a Mo, pleasure. If you have time, Mo, hopefully to see you back later this year. All right. Hope to see you guys later. All right. Great. All right, Daniel, before we, uh, before we move to Cocaine Bear, I, I, I wanted to give you f- some final thoughts on Creed 3 as well, like I did with Mo. Is there anything else about it that we didn't already touch on that you wanted to highlight some other uh, observations you have? Well, uh, a bit silly, but um, mm-hmm. soundtrack. That's done by Dreamville. Uh, you know Dreamville? Uh, no, I'm the guy that knows no one, though, so that, means, that doesn't mean much. Well, you know, do you know J. Cole? Yes, I know J. Cole is. It's J. Cole's label. So, like, oh, you know, okay. he's got, like, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the names of the motherfuckers signed to dreamville but um reasons on there uh jid who's one of my personal like favorite rappers uh you've got um who's that that one group uh well i know that i'm not gonna you know not gonna get any help from you on that one uh (laughs) causes on there uh boss uh uh earth gang earth gang is who i'm thinking of and so let me ask do you know if they're like la based rappers or something like that no no they're atlanta That's the thing. And that's the thing that had me kind of like, all right, well, you're gonna, I mean, they are distributed by Interscope, which is if I'm not, if I remember correctly, yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, Interscope. Okay. They, yeah, they're, they're based in California, but like, you know, all the labels are um, the major, you know, but anyways, I'm sorry. I'm now going on a bit of a diatribe. The fact is that um, I think that they're mostly Atlanta. I think Um, I might be wrong on that. But I don't know. I, I would have preferred like, I don't know, it was TDE not available. Like, I think that that would have been more appropriate for the L.A. setting. What's his name? Uh, uh, Creed walks out in the final fight to Big Sean uh, with one of the most awful verses that I've ever heard. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, um, what's his name? Uh, Diamond Dame. Dame walks out to um, uh, Last Time That I Checked by um, Nipsey Hussle, which is definitely, that's a Crenshaw, like LA based rapper. So like, I mean, that makes sense. It's also interesting. Um, I wonder how Dame has been in prison since 2002, basically. So I wonder uh, just uh, how quickly he caught himself up on the music scene. You know, oh, you can listen to music. Oh, come on. You can listen to music in prison. (laughs) Like, like I'm pretty, but like, uh, you know, motherfuckers are in prison. Like, you know, like they're, they got TVs and they, you know, they got puppies and shit. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're keeping up. 
I, I've seen I've seen photos so like okay. motherfuckers having dogs in prison. I was, gonna say, I, I, was I, I was just gonna say uh, it's interesting. I was just gonna say like you know wonder uh, if he, if he picked his own playlist or someone did it for him. It, <laughs> it, it, it sounds like he might have been able to stay up on what was going on. Yeah, I know absolutely, absolutely. He but knows. No, I was curious. So so it's interesting to know they did a decent amount of Atlanta stuff because like obviously like I I know. Don't quote me a, on that. I might be absolutely a hundred percent wrong on that. As a Philadelphia guy, I know I, I at least know usually know Meat Mill when I hear him, and there's a lot of Meat Mill in the first two. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I, and he's a Philadelphia guy. So I just didn't know if they like, oh, this oh, is that's movie. why there's all the Meek Mill. I was wondering yeah, why so the he, fuck is Meek Mill keep popping up? Meek Mill this? is like Philadelphia through and through. He is like kind of the one of the mascots for the sports teams. He, uh, the, the 2018 Eagles Super Bowl run that was scored basically scored by Dreams and Nightmares. Like he is like a very big oh. guy, uh, Philadelphia uh, presence, and that is why he's courtside at a lot of the Sixers games. He's like friends with the one of the former owners, uh, all that stuff. So that is why Meek Mill is so prominently featured in one and two. But I was like, oh, maybe they'll move to L.A. and they'll just go hardcore in the L.A. rap. I know Nipsey Hussle was an L.A. guy, but like, you know, it, it is what it is. But it seems like you were more impressed with Dame's musical choices, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that was more appropriate. Yeah. I listened to the soundtrack. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love all the J.I.D. tracks. I love Earth Gang. Uh, there were some like that Big Sean song, like not even the best. It's some other motherfucker on the song that like I've never even heard of. And he eats them. So, like, I don't know. Um but yeah, um, the music, you know, I, I, it's, I still think it's better than the, 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 the second movie had like a soundtrack that was, you know, it was decent, a little samey, I thought, in the production, but like some, you know, re- they got like a lot of big names on that one. Mm, interesting. All right. I, I feel like I had, I actually, I feel like I might've had. Some I did have, I did have one thing. Where oh, would you want the series to go? Well, I was kind of getting at that before when I was, when I, when I was trying to talk about the money, cause I was just like, I think there's some interesting stuff there to like actually explore him as a father in a way they never really did with Rocky. Like there's some stuff with Rocky and his son in uh, Rocky Balboa, but like, it's just, it's, it's, that's just, you know, it's still like uh, much more about this, like, Oh, let's watch this guy that's pushing 60 fight. Um, you know, <laughs> and then it is really about his relationship with his son, which is, I guess, ha- goes some places in that movie. But like, I don't know. I think there is a lot there. You could do something with Creed as a dad. I'm just wondering if it's not culminating in like, a fighter being like the heavyweight champion of the world for everything on the line or fighting for the cold war, like they do in Rocky four and kind of, again, in a way with in Creed two, like, would they get, would that movie be given like enough resources and, or like, would they, would, would they have the, would they like be able to stomach like aiming lower financially, maybe a smaller budget, but just don't have as don't, don't need the same expectations. It's just like, I I'm, I'm far more interested in something that isn't Creed fighting again, but I will keep going back to this world as long as the movies are at least of this quality, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I, you could do something with the daughter. Like you said, I'd be into that. I'm just not sure exactly what that looks like. I don't, I haven't really given it a ton of thought, but like, if it's like, you know, about him, like trying to teach his coach's daughter, like I could be into that. I just don't know exactly what the big fight in that film is for. I wonder, like, it depends when they do it. Like, could they wait another eight years till she's like 17 or something? Or I, I don't know. Well, I mean, she could fight for like, I don't know, there's junior Olympics and shit, but um, I would actually say um, screw that. I want Creed to fight again. Um, I want him to fight. I mean, right now, my number one contender in my mind is Milo Ventimiglia, the the guy who plays Rocky's son. Like, I want him to fight Rocky's son. Um, And if he doesn't do that, well, uh, he could fight Cynthia Erivo. That would have been that would be fun for me. Uh, Simu Lu would be fun for me or, uh, or, uh, you know, Hey, he goes to North Korea and fights Madong Suk or however you pronounce his name. The, the okay. guy from, uh, the you guy really, from, you really need to watch Rocky four. I think you would be very into Rocky four. It's like 90 minutes too. It's like, very. I short. know I need to, I need to get to it, but like, I, I mean, if, if, you like, if, if you it's like, if you like it, 
if you like the idea of something that's like you know maybe slightly jingoistic and is going in like toppling another country you would like rocky for yeah no that's what i'm getting at like i think that he we need to send him to china we need to send him to north korea are there any iranian <laughs> like like big hell fuck ram sharon from uh from uh rrr that would be fun that's cool no i think i think there is like i think there is a presence of like uh, there is like a bit a bit of a culture of boxing in the middle east i think for whatever oh, that's worth yeah. I I don't know the Middle East. I feel like they're big wrestlers. I, I that's a, that's my impression at least. Like I think okay. they really do dominate in like a lot of Olympic wrestling, right. if I remember correctly. But but but, um, but, but in Creed in in, in Rocky Four, Rocky basically like ends the Cold War. So I would be fine if like Apollo wanted to like uh, bring peace to the Middle East. Like why not? Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, all right. Uh, any other final thoughts on uh, Creed Three, Daniel? Uh, no, I got some got some boxing recs, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I didn't know you were that in the boxing movies. Well, no. Well, yeah, no, no. I, I like a boxing movie. I like the narrative of boxing. It's the one sports subgenre that I'm kind of really like. That being said, I've got two docs. Um, boxing Gym, which is uh, a film by my favorite documentarian, uh, Frederick Wiseman. Uh, 2010. It's like 90 minutes long, and it's just about this one boxing gym in Austin, Texas. And it just gets you into the rhythm of like the lifestyle of these people, like what boxing means to them, what the gym means to them. Uh, you know, it really just immerses you in this small little microcosm of a larger world. And it's just like, like all of Wiseman's films. It's just hmm. super duper. He's a man who like, you know, he does like, you know, uh, documentaries on institutions. Like he did the New York public library movie. He did UC Berkeley, uh, you know, hospital in the seventies. Um, just one of like one of my favorite filmmakers he's become over ho- the past ho- year. Hospital, the Patty Chayefsky movie. The, the one that no, 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 no. Yeah. It's a documentary about oh, uh, the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite movies of last year. So uh, I mean that I saw last year. So highly recommend boxing. It's on canopy as along with all of Wiseman's work. Facing Ali was a really great talking head doc, which I normally don't go for. But this one is one where they they just interview all of like uh, Muhammad Ali's former fights, uh, mm-hmm. all, all the people that he faced in the ring. And it's just super duper interesting because he's fought all these very fascinating people with very different perspectives on who he was and what boxing means to them. And I always love if you're going to do a talking doc, uh, a talking head doc, uh, definitely go the route of allowing for all these different perspectives on the same subject matter. Uh, I found it very, very fascinating. It's on Tubi right now. Um, I recently saw the setup which is a uh, boxing noir from the, from I think like 1950 or something uh, from uh, Robert Wise, who is the guy who, you know, he directed like Sound of Music, uh, West Side Story, uh, you know, really like esteemed like a journeyman director back in the studio days. And uh, this one's a noir. It's like mostly half the movie is pretty much this aging boxer waiting for his fight. Uh, his girl won't even go to see him because she's tired of watching him, you know, get his bang brains beaten out of him. And uh, you're just watching like, you know, him watch these fighters go up before him. You know, uh, you've got this, uh, you know, the young people who are ready to make a break for their hungry. They're ready to like, you know, get into the spotlight and these other aging boxers who have long passed their prime, but they don't know any other way of life uh i found it very very moving and the the actual boxing is i think some of the best ever put to screen i i really really uh loved that 
I was I, I have seen a decent amount, but Requiem for a Heavyweight. I've actually recommended this uh, script before in a previous episode hmm. uh, because it's a Rod Serling teleplay that he wrote for Playhouse 90. Rod Serling, of course, being the guy who uh, created Star Trek uh, or not Star Trek. <laughs> That's between Rod and Barry. No, the guy who created uh, Twilight Zone. And uh, he was a boxer himself. And this one, again, gets into the psychology of a boxer who's aged out of his prime and doesn't know what else to do with himself. Uh, the film is even more depressing than the uh, than the script, the original script. So I, I do highly recommend that. And uh, I got to say one more uh, undisputed, the Walter Hill movie from the year 2000, which is a prison boxing movie that weirdly enough gets all into the uh politics of boxing like it's fascinated by the sport but less so by the fighting and more so by just the culture surrounding it and it uses the prison as like this sort of microcosm this kind of isolated society in which they can just immerse themselves into this world without having to worry about all the other bullshit it's really really fascinating i was really taken by it and of course it led to a series of dtv sequels including the greatest film of all time and the greatest ring movie of all time undisputed three redemption there we go. All right. Well, thank you for all those recommendations, Daniel. We'll be right back to talk about Cocaine Bear. All right. And now we're back to talk about Cocaine Bear. Daniel, I'm not going to like bury the lead for the audience here. Uh, I know you didn't really like the movie, but you were also like had very tempered expectations going in for a movie that a lot of people were like very excited for. Because understandably, when you see a movie with the title Cocaine Bear, that cuts a decent trailer as this one did. People are going to be excited. It sounds fun. But I think as someone that was not a huge fan of Elizabeth Banks's last movie, you were kind of like reserving judgment a little bit. Fair to say, like, I think you feel pretty smart in doing so. So I'm wondering for a movie that everyone assumes is just going to be crazy fun when it's because it's called Cocaine Bear. What do you think the one thing this movie did wrong was that more so than anything else? Uh, well, maybe hire Elizabeth Banks. Uh, maybe it's uh, get the screenwriter. Maybe it's the script. Uh, oh, I know it's the script partially, but all right. So pretty much when the trailer dropped, I immediately alarm bells were going off in my head. I sort of got the sense of like, a, you remember Kung Fury? Can't say I saw it, but vaguely know of it. Yeah, it was like a short that was like, a, hey, isn't this crazy? We're going to put all this 80s stuff and it's like Thor and like, you know, like flying dragons and shit. Like, you know, it's just a really juvenile, like cheap sort of like pastiche of like what people think 80s cinema was like genre cinema was. It's just really not uh, fun. It's really not fun, but it thinks that it is uh, very much like a um, you remember the like the sci fi original movie, um, the one with the the sharks in a tornado sharknado. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sharknado, like that sort of humor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I got that sense. And knowing that Elizabeth Banks directed it, I, I was very excited for her last movie, the uh, the reboot of Charlie's Angels, and was very, very disappointed by that. So I already alarm bells were going off. I'll admit here that seeing the trailer replayed over and over again. I got a bit of Stockholm syndrome. I thought maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it will be funny. Honestly, like I, I, I when the reviews started coming out, I was like, maybe I won't go see this. But uh, I went to see the Regal Mystery movie and it was Champions, which seemed like an even worse time. So I was like, you know what? Cocaine Bear it is. <laughs> yeah, we should note because, I mean, do you really need to give a plot synopsis when the name of the movie is Cocaine Bear? But well, it's, that's it, the it, crazy thing you kind of do for this one. Well, so it's inspired by a true story where uh, an airplane that was piloted by a guy named Andrew C. Thornton, who had been a narcotics officer, but became a drug smuggler, like, you know, was carrying a plane with just like, that was somewhat faulty because it was carrying too heavy of a load of cocaine. 
and uh, jumps out of the plane with a with a parachute and he he died uh, and a bear like consumed like a good chunk of that cocaine and and died. The movie's taking liberties. The bear didn't actually kill anyone, all that stuff. But that, that that's basically it. And you know what I what I think? I'm curious what you think about this, because basically we should say the movie like it is actually kind of convoluted, which is kind of funny. That, that might be part of the problem. You know, it's like a lot of people are in Tennessee. Some people are in Missouri, but they're all converging on this. The late Ray Liotta is the head of this uh, crime syndicate, and his son is played by Alden, Alden Ehrenreich, who uh, and he kind of deputizes them to like go track down his cocaine that is apparently just been that that has been in this uh, accident. So Alden Ehrenreich and O'Shea Jackson Jr. play the other person within the organization. They're driving down there. Alden Ehrenreich apparently just went through a divorce or something, so he's kind of sad. Who I actually kind of like in this movie, funny enough. Uh, but then they, they're headed down there. Isaiah, Whitlock, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. plays a cop that is kind of set to investigate it too. Uh, even though he is in Tennessee, I can't remember exactly like what tips him off to go down there. Maybe they're tracking down some of the drugs too. I don't know if it's that important. Actually, I, I, I sadly do remember oh, Alden well, Ehrenreich. It? Alden Ehrenreich at a bar starts oh, kind of mouthing him. off yeah. while drunk, and somebody overhears him and calls in a tip. The fact that I'm saying this in a movie called <laughs> Cocaine Bear pisses me off. Right, and then the other thing is Carrie Russell. Uh, plays the mom of a of a girl who just kind of skips school with their friend and they end up in the same woods where the bear and the cocaine are and uh you know one thing i'll say daniel oh, i'm sorry you forgot margo martindale is also there's the forest oh. ranger and also there's this trio of like teenagers that attack people with knives yeah, a little and also there's a oh, jesus christ i'm happy to have Mar- i'm never not happy to see margo martindale it's a kind of a funny confluence of things in this movie because you know she was in just she was like the big bad in season two of justified but brilliant either, but brilliant Oh, so you're a Justified fan? You know that I'm a Justified fan. Oh, I, That's like I, I, one I of my think, favorite TV shows. Okay, so I, 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 if we had talked, we probably talked about it three years ago because that was my biggest pandemic project in 2020. I just forgot that we had talked about it, but I, because I, 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 it was like the first, it's the only, it's the last time I can remember actually watching a show that's like that long with like you know from start that I wasn't watching from the beginning, like something I, I started a six season project and just went right through. Mm. And yeah, no, I, I, I watched, I've been watching that from the beginning. So okay, I, I so, love that show. So, so you might recall then that one, I think season four or five is actually inspired by the same story that inspires cocaine bear. Wait, and is it? Yeah. Uh, if you, you can look, look, look that up when we're done. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Fuck. You're right. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Sorry. You just dropping this knowledge on yeah, no, me. No, it was is... funny. I, I remember like way back, like early in 2020, like late 2021, maybe when the press release dropped that cocaine bear was coming out. And I like, I just read like, read like a blurb in like an article and I was like, oh, that's funny. That sounds a lot like a season of Justified. And then I looked and I, I looked, I looked into it further. I was like, oh, that's why. And like, uh, it, it actually is from that. So Margot Martindale is, you know, incredible and Justified, which has a season based on this story. But she is also where I first saw her was in The Americans, which, you know, stars Carrie Russell. Uh, also who, great. Also a great show. But also, most importantly, that also stars Matthew Reese, who plays Andrew C. Thornton in the opening sequence of this movie. Oh, my and God. I didn't even I, notice. Yeah. And I, you know what? I think the biggest problem is, is that the rest of the movie lacks the energy of him in that first scene where he's like dancing high on cocaine on that plane. Mm-hmm. And I posit to you that that feels like it's from a different movie and this movie forgot to be that movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, this movie sucks. It's really bad in like a bunch of different ways, but mostly in the sense that it's really boring. Uh, it, you know, it's like she's trying to make like an R rated kind of horror action comedy hybrid uh, and also crime for some reason. And like, it just fails in every front. 
It is, uh, you know, like the the action, so to speak, just isn't very good. Uh, the horror segments aren't, you know, scary at all. They have no tension, no sense of dread. Uh, the crime plot is convoluted and honestly just kind of takes away from the thing that you're there for, which is a bear that it's high on cocaine. And I think most crucially, it is not funny. Uh, I, there's like an opening in the opening text crawl. There's like this quote, like we're like bears. Black bears are not very dangerous and they're docile and blah, blah, blah. And uh, the source is Wikipedia. And I chuckled at that. And that was the last time I even cracked a smile in the movie. It is so deeply unfunny that it is insane that like somebody with the comedic talent of like Elizabeth Banks could cool. like. It seems like you're it seems like you might be more offended about at the, of the humor than anything else in the movie. Yeah, pretty much. Well, so I, I wonder. And I'm not saying it's like a well-directed movie. I think that I think, but I think blame for that might first go to the writing. But second, I think my thing was that like, it should have been funnier. It should have been like scarier slash gorier. Like in, in the way that they chooses to balance its tones. I think that is probably more on the director. So I think it, I think yes, it is like a combination yeah. of the factors, but like there weren't a lot of, I don't know if she necessarily had a lot of jokes to work with. And she oh wasn't my the writer. Good God. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's like, What's a joke? Punchline setup, right? There's none of that here. It's mostly just isn't this kind of silly and wacky? Um, I did laugh at is, Alden. I did laugh like every time Alden Ehrenreich talk. I don't. I just got a kick out of him playing like someone that pathetic. I don't know why. Well, actually, that's the thing. The only two people who get out anything out of this material mm-hmm. is Alden Ehrenreich and O'Shea Jackson mm-hmm. because they're both. I mean, not that everyone else isn't talented, but I guess they're just got that sort of charismatic factor that like means that just from a glance, they're able to like kind of get comedy out of that, which, you know, I like Carrie Russell a lot. She's brilliant in the Americans. Um, she doesn't have that capability. Sorry, but well, like, no. so they, they, they leave some of that to the kids. One of her daughter is played by Brooklyn Prince, who uh, some might know from the Florida project. I'm wondering. Uh, oh the- shit. Yeah, you didn't, really? you didn't pick that up? Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, so did you not get a kick out of the kids like kind of accidentally doing cocaine or not? Did you laugh at all at that? Because I think that's what they were hoping the audience laughs. I think my audience, which was, wasn't that full, we were like confused. Like, should we like be holding our breath? Should we be laughing? We weren't really sure. I think I was like, it was more of like, a, oh my God, like kind of thing. And I, I don't know. What did you make of them like having the kids playing with cocaine in that way? It felt, it felt very, very, I was actually like kind of tense for a moment in that where I thought they wanted you to laugh. Well, that's actually one of those issues that I, I, I have. This is where I lay it at Elizabeth Banks's feet, mm-hmm. because while the script is really not good, like the fact that like you hear there's a there's a there's a there was a once a bear that got high on cocaine. Um, you can think of like 10 different plots to <laughs> go with that, like straight off. the And like this is what this person chose to settle on this like ensemble piece where like there's a bunch of different people kind of converge like no you want the bear get the bear on screen uh and keep it on screen but it's barely in the movie but uh beyond that though like moments like that that comedic set piece are undercut by elizabeth bank's complete lack of comedic timing when it comes to editing which is weird because again she's a very talented comedian like she's she's uh you know anytime i see her in a movie she knows timing so I just don't understand what is the disconnect here. The same is true of the action and the horror. Uh, there's just no no sense of like build and release in how she edits and puts together these scenes. Uh, it's just very flat, very bland. Moments just hang with like dead weight where like, again, you're just left wondering, 
what am I supposed to be feeling as an audience? What do you even want me to feel? And it's she, this isn't fucking Brisson. She just sucks. I'm sorry. But, I, I say that. Maybe it's the studio hampering well, her. But it's, 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 like I said, there are tonal things in this movie that I think the director has control over. But, you know, some of it also, I think, comes on the fact that like, when you're saying, what are we supposed to feel? It, it takes a long time to get to that damn bear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And for as long as it takes to get to that bear, they don't make you feel enough about any of those characters before then, you know, I, it's, it's like, it's like, Oh, Isaiah Whitlock jr. Is like the sad guy with the dog. But like, I don't know, really know if you care about him as much as you should. Uh, similarly, like it, it's like, yeah, all never I got divorced and I laughed at him a lot, but I'm not really rooting for the guy that hard either. I, I guess we kind of want him to get out from under the thumb of his dad, but like, they don't really set that up quite enough till the end to really know how he feels about his dad for you to be that invested for a lot of it. You don't care that much about the kids. You just don't want them to like die from cocaine. But like, you know, th- that, that scene is only a few minutes long, like mm-hmm. for as much time as it takes with the setup, the, the, the payoff for that should be that you really care about these characters in certain moments. You don't really know shit about like those, those EMTs that get, 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 that get it, you know? And that's probably one of the more, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that scene, but like that, that, that's, that's, that's somewhat gnarly and it should mean a little more, but like for as intense as that action is compared to, in my opinion, most of the rest of the action in this movie, it doesn't really amount to much because you don't know shit about the people that the bear is messing up right there. Yeah, no, I agree with you that that is actually one of the scenes where the energy of the film picks up simply by the mm-hmm. nature of the fact that the bear is on screen attacking people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's running after the ambulance and, you know, they're trying to shoot at it and they're missing like, you know, there's actual stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you're I'm watching it and like this is like, I don't know, like 50 minutes into the movie or whatever. And I'm just like, why did it take this long to get something like this? And why is it also just really fucking dull? Uh, that being said, and at least punctuated by like a decent moment, I do think that what gore is there is used kind of effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when uh, Margot Martindale face plants onto the road, like that's a, that's a yeah, it's an you know, I, I appreciate a moment like that. But it's a movie that really needs that all over the movie you know like it's a bear that's high on cocaine like why is it like why is why is it doing like like i don't know why is it like sleeping on some guy and we get like okay a, i laughed i laughed at that i'll admit i laughed at that i mean i laughed i mean not laughed i didn't laugh i didn't even smile i just registered yeah. in my head like i'll deny Eidenreich is really like selling this and O'Shea Jackson. Uh, but like the guys that they're with, like, you know, just aren't really that funny. And uh, the moment itself is kind of, again, like that it's was, crushed. I was going to say, you've mentioned those guys there with a couple of times that was kind of odd, awkwardly edited around. I don't know if it's editing or the writing, but like, I feel like we were almost missing a scene. Like, I feel like they make that guy take them on a march to where the cocaine is. And they're like, buddy, buddy, weirdly on the march, like playing, well, the idea is that Alvin, stuff. Uh, yeah, the, the idea he's is looking for there, a friend like, is like, a, yeah, he's looking for a friend and like, you know, like I, that and that should be again, it should be funny. And it's one of the livelier parts of the film because Alden Ehrenreich and uh, O'Shea Jackson just have that kind of energy. But um, it, it just it just doesn't work because, again, like every single line that is an actual joke that should like register, it's like squandered. It's like, like just given no room to breathe. Uh, or it's given too much room to breathe, I should say, because again, like the editing, just fucking like just lifeless air, just dead air all over the place. Um, like I saw it with a theater that was responding to it a lot more than I was, but like lots of lots of quiet in that theater in mm-hmm. a lot of these moments. 
yeah, like I said, I, my, my theater is less than half full, but like, I feel like we, we got some laughs at some points, but it was just not the raucous time I had hoped, you know, when I, when, when I saw what this was supposed to be. And yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't really like the Charlie's Angels movie either. I, I actually like Pitch Perfect too. Um, people like to sh- shit on that one. It's the third one that's really bad. Um, but like, I thought the third one was fine. Oh, uh, of course you do. Uh, I've only, I've only seen, I've only seen one of them. So only seen that you've only seen Pitch Perfect three. Look, I saw that I saw like Rebel Wilson jumping out of a boat that's exploding and like one hits the water and the other hits a boat. That made me laugh. If you so like three, then ice. you need to watch one and two. Like they're better uh, and they? funnier. Uh, yeah. But like the reason I was bringing that up and what I'm going to say was, was that I kind of hope she keeps getting movies, though. I want her to like be the person. I, I You know, there's so many dudes that get to keep making movies that aren't good. And I actually think she made one good one. And she should I, I kind of support her just not getting put in movie jail. You know, I just don't give her an idea as good as Cocaine Bear necessarily to mess up. Uh, like, but I don't know. Like, I, I, it's I, look, I, I dudes get so many I, chances all the I know, time. I don't. But here's my thing. Don't give them chances. That's my that's my okay, that would be okay. my argument. Counter argument. Don't give them niggas chances. <laughs> just just you, you do a couple stinkers and you get in jail. You go to jail. Like, you know, and at this point, until like, they start I mean, doing that, like we should let Elizabeth Banks make another movie. if She wants to make another movie. All right. Fair enough. And like, I will admit that, like, I maybe I'm being too hard on her because the fact is the two movies I saw from her are two like studio projects are two action heavy sort of, uh, you know, genre projects, high concept. And I think there is a possibility that like maybe, you know, her vision is being like, you know, like undercut by the studio. Maybe she doesn't. Have, I mean, I, 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 there's no way this woman has final cut. Right. Like, I don't know. Her, her, what her, 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 her husband is one of the producers of the movie, though. I'll say that. Oh, my fucking God. Are you fucking kidding me? Elizabeth, what the hell? But like, like if you go, if you like, if you look at it, it's like produced by, well, Phil Ward and Chris Miller. So that's something we didn't mention. But then then also Elizabeth Banks and Max Handelman. Max Handelman is her husband. So. okay. well, if she's also a producer on this, I mean, if she has the power, creative power and this is what she comes up with, then absolutely she needs to go to jail. Like I'm not (laughs) even saying director jail, jail, jail Uh, for fraud. Uh, and larceny, uh, the larceny of wasting my time. Well, like, one, I, one thing where I do think is also kind of fair to blame her. And because like I'm saying, it's hard to know like where where, 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 the, where the blame should be allocated to the script and where to her. Another area was like, man, that, that final scene, it's like, you know, it's like on, on a cliff of a waterfall. But I just don't think like that's as visually interesting as something that that movie could have come up with. You know, I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I, I will admit that like uh, faulting a comedy for not being visually interesting feels a little cheap. That being said, it's aspiring uh, to be more than just a comedy, though. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're going to try to make like this kind of very broad genre hopping thing, then and that's what you come up with is like a fucking dark set. Like so it's literally, literally too dark literally too dark it's like like a flat plane pretty much it's like you know it's like they're shooting in like it's like the three stooges the way that this <laughs> this scene is designed uh and and uh blocked i i i, I don't know I, another thing i did laugh at though i laughed at like ray liotta throwing the, the cocaine at the baby bears to get him to go away like i i i i mean maybe it means i'm having more immature sense of humor i laughed at that i did kind of like the energy ray liotta brought I, I i thought he was like there for the right movie in spite of whatever material he was given and him just like being like here, little bears, go take the cocaine. Like that made me laugh in a different way. But like the, just the scene itself was just a bit of a letdown for what the movie uh, movie of this ilk should be building towards. Uh, I can't say that Ray Liotta overcomes the material he's given in this one. I think this was a paycheck. 
Um, and I'm glad that he he got that paycheck. But this isn't his last role, is it? I think if you go on IMDb, there's a couple other things on there. Um, I, I, oh, I, Jesus I, Christ. I, 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 I if I hope he ends it in like a Bruce Willis movie or something like that. That's more that I respect that more than this. <laughs> oh my God. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if the stuff that's still on there is stuff that was in production uh, when he passed, but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed him here. I, and I, enjoy, I enjoyed all of the Eric and I just wish I enjoyed the overall product more. Any other things that we didn't talk about with it? You wanted to touch on though? Oh, oh I, well, one thing I will say that the, the scene where like the bear like runs down one tree and then runs up the one, runs up the other and uh, r- r- rips one of those that guy's limit off. Like I actually did kind of like enjoy that. I just thought there should have been more scenes with the bear doing like crazy stuff like that. You know, uh, maybe I would have enjoyed that more if it wasn't in all the fucking trailers. Oh, I see. I don't know if I I think I only watched like one trailer for it. And then just like, oh, how the Christmas. hell you go to see but, movies all the I, time? Well, no, like, this is like, played in front of everything. Right, yeah. But you've been to enough. You've been to enough movies with me now to know my routine. Like I show up late because I live so close. I can walk across. I put my stuff in my seat. I go get my popcorn. I go back to my seat for like maybe one trailer. If it's one I don't really want to see, I look down at my phone or I then I go out and I refill my IC, go to the bathroom. Like I just don't watch trailers that much. So I might have seen this the first time it came out, but I just didn't pay attention to it after. So nothing. Yeah, I, I, I was in I, i've seen every single moment of that yeah. trailer the kid saying the, the bear it was fucked like <laughs> you know and i will i will say you know i and kid, i hate kid, to give kid, credit kid, kid cursing is like a weakness of mine too i'll laugh at that usually yeah i mean i'll admit that like i'm not immune to that myself uh i did not laugh here because again like it's one of those things like they're trying and like they're undercut by the direction, but mm-hmm. um, the kids are fine. Like I did not realize that was the girl from Florida project. I hope that she goes on to do other stuff. I like the, this kid. I think uh, he's a con- like, I mean, granted again, like I'm not, I didn't laugh at any of his shtick, but that I don't even blame him on that. In fact, I might say that uh, come the end of the year where we're talking about best youth performance, he might be on my list, uh, like but also, much, huh? Well, I mean, we, we I don't, don't see also, that. We don't, we, we don't see that many movies with kids, I guess. And also, I'm just not a, you know, just not. I don't like movies with kids to begin with. So, you know, like what, all the people that were talked about last year, I'm not a huge fan of. Gabriel right. Labelle, fuck that kid. By the way, I, I didn't realize they cast locally for the Florida Project. She's from Winter Springs, so you know, you gotta, you gotta support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, all, you know, it's uh, what's his name? Um, what's the name of that Sean, guy? Sean Baker. Sean Baker. Yeah, Sean Baker always casts locals and shit. Yeah, I just didn't realize that was how he found her. So I mean, yeah. I, I knew I knew he d- did that for a lot of his stuff. I just didn't realize for her. So like, which she, by the she, way, did you know that the Mason Dixon, the boxer from uh, Rocky uh, Balboa, Rocky Balboa, yeah, Antonio like, Tarver, yeah, born in Orlando, did not know that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Antonio Tarver is like a, a even more more known boxer than like you know the people that were in that have been in the Creed movies. Like that was actually oh, kind I, of a big I, deal. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. Is he? Because I looked at his record and I looked at like that man has not. I mean, not, none of these guys have won belts or anything like that. Tarver I don't had think he's ever. I thought Tarver had been held held a belt of some sort at some point. Um, I don't think he did. He, uh, I knew who he was before that movie, for whatever that's worth, and I don't follow boxing that closely. Um, Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, uh, Daniel, anything else on Cocaine Bear? Uh, boring ass movie. Uh, don't watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we even really necessarily spoiled that much other than, uh, what happened to Margaret Martin. What is there? What is there to spoil? There's a bear with cocaine and a bunch of people who you're going to spend a lot of time with that. You're not going to like. So, yeah, I mean, God, I, it's, but it's, it's at the same time, like, it's one of those movies that you want people to support too. You want stuff of this size to do well, as we always say. So I don't we, know. I mean, look, I as somebody who like does like original content and all that, you know, content. I hate that word, but I, 
it's tough I get, for me I get, to, I get it. You, to just, you didn't like it, but you know, had, I really because because the thing is, had, like, a, had, had thirty to thirty-five million dollar budget. Like, I want, I want those movies to make money. I so. want them to get made. I want them to make money. But like this one, I don't want people. <laughs> I don't want studios to look at this and say like, well, we can make more of these and and becomes like and have these but, be successful. But 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 it seems like you would have liked. You you can you can you can envision a version of this movie in your head that you like, so you would just want someone to do it right. Yeah, but like I don't think the studios will take that lesson. Sure. I don't think they'll look at this and they'll just say like, "Oh, we could just get any fucking hack to right. direct and to write, and uh, we'll be fine." Uh, and I don't want that. Like I, I'm telling you, man. Like studio comedies that don't make me laugh, bane of my existence. They regularly are like the bottom of my list at the end of the year, as this will be rightfully so. Uh, this was one of the most, excru- one of the more excruciating watches I've had in the past like five years. All right. Well, I'm glad we've got you on for a movie you really didn't like. I feel like it's been too long. You know, I think like we've been, you know, I, 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 I over the last year, I've just been like inviting people on for the movies they kind of already know they're going to like anyway. It's nice to just have a, it's just it's nice to hate on something every once in a while. You agree? Well, yeah, I do have actually a rec for something that is original, that is fun, that is in theaters. What's that? And I do highly recommend to people. Uh, well, highly. Operation Fortune Ruse mm. de Guerre, which is the new Guy Ritchie movie. This is going to be his Spielberg 93 year with this and uh, the <laughs> soldier movie that he's got. Coming I don't out. Even I know. Oh, that. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, yeah. I, Covenant. The Covenant. I have not even seen the trailer. I thought that one will be very fun. But this one is just him kind of just palling around with Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? The Hugh Grant, I think, is his mm. name. And uh, yeah, it's just like this, you know, spy thing where like they're just traveling around the world. They get Josh Hartnett, like to who's playing like this famous actor who's Hugh Grant. Who, Hugh Grant is like a weapons developer or something. And uh, Josh Hartnett's his favorite actor. And so they get Josh Hartnett to like buddy up with him. No, he's not playing uh, himself. He's <laughs> playing like a Hollywood actor. But like, he, you know, they get him to buddy up with him in order to get close to him. And it's just like, you know, a bunch of fun spy shenanigans, you know, very silly. Got all the hallmarks of a Guy Ritchie movie. You know, the fast talking characters, the juvenile sense of humor, the really kind of frenetic editing style that like nevertheless still maintains a consistent sort of rhythm so it's not just a a mess of different images kind of just waving past your eyes i found it very very entertaining um it was i also did see it like the day that i went to the gym for like the first time in months so i was very lightheaded which is the best way to experience the movie Uh, i did quite like that and finally i do have to recommend uh well recommend might not be the right word uh Krippendorf's tribe okay i don't what, what is that uh this is the one where richard dreyfus plays an anthropologist who uh squanders his grant money on like i think like tvs and hookers or something mm-hmm. and uh you know in order to like and he has to present his findings like in a couple hours and so he just makes up a tribe of people in new guinea that have been uncontacted and in order to get people to play these this tribe guess who he gets his children so he dresses his children in blackface and they all just shoot fake footage in their backyard of this fake tribe and it is i was expecting this to be like unrepentantly racist and you know like fine like the imagery and shit yeah not cool but i think that it actually does work as a satire of like white academia and the assumptions that they make about 
other peoples and like how civilized they are and how educated they are and the voyeurism, the cultural voyeurism that they engage in. It is actually a, a far defter script than I expected, a far funnier script than I expected. It's certainly more funny than fucking Cocaine Bear. Uh, and it's got some really great comedic performances, particularly from a young Natasha Leone. I thought that it was surprisingly fun. Uh, this is actually also a Disney movie, which is weird because mm. there's a lot of jokes about dildos and sex and and mm. uh, and all that sort of stuff. I and mean, Touchstone, obviously, but yeah, it's on Hoopla. You can rent <laughs> okay. it on Hoopla through your library system. And uh, look, I'm not gonna give this a strong recommend, but as a, I, I have a kind of fondness for these '90s uh, curio family movies. So, well, maybe family is a bit of a stretch here, but. Um, Say, you could do worse. I don't really have anything I would recommend right now, but you said uh, satire of white academia. I did watch White Noise recently. Didn't like it very much, so I can't really recommend it. Uh, so, <laughs> no, 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 Obama is my guy, but like, I, I, it's, it's pains me to say it wasn't my thing. So, yeah, uh, there's one, there's one thing you can recommend in that movie, though. Uh, the, the end credits. Yeah. We've talked about New that. body Roomba. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I've just been, you know, in a, in a bubble editing our top 10 podcast, which people have listened to by the time they heard this. Uh, and I just haven't had time to watch much besides, uh, record and edit and record and edit and work at my job. That is not this uh, in my spare time, basically. It was what it's felt like the last couple of weeks and, uh, and, and like to see other people in my life. So, you know, watching new things is just taking a bit of a backseat for the time being, but like it's going to change. I, I, Daniel has given me some homework in advance of John Wick 4. So I'll watch that on top of watching Scream 6, which, uh, you know, uh, I have not watched yet, but we will have a podcast on that coming soon. But uh, I want to thank everyone today for listening. I want to thank Daniel for joining. You can follow him on Letterboxd at Felonious Funk. You can follow, follow me at Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. And uh, yeah, like I said, coming up next, uh, stay tuned for Scream 6. And uh, not really sure what else, because I, yeah, uh, I don't well, know. Well, we got 65 coming out. Of well, course, that was John the thing. You were, you were talking about Operation Fortune. I was like, is that going to hang around another week? I know it had such a weird release. And then I like looked down at my phone and I was like, okay, it is hanging around because I may or may not finally do RRR. I don't know. It's a big, oh, beautiful. It's, 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 I mean, it's not at my AMC. This thing. It's, it's like, you know, it's a 25 minute drive and it doesn't start till 830. So on a, on a work night. So I'm debating it and it's like, it would be. <laughs> I unfortunately, I, I mean, look, I, I would recommend it simply because I am not able to go to that because I work overnight. So this week long engagement, and you, and I am and you've, and you've also And you've also seen it in theaters three times already. I haven't seen it at all. So that's pulling me to it. It's, and I did do it for titanic two weeks ago so i would feel like a fraud if i didn't do it for <laughs> rrr and but like I, 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 I that was like you know it's absolutely worth it i know no, i know it's you, just it's 8 30 at night uh on, a, on a, when i wake up early for work it's, it's something but like I, worth so, it don't care i know i know so i i probably I, I might do that one of the next two nights maybe tomorrow night and and then i and then i got to do um what's it called um uh, but yeah, there's 65, which I have no idea if that's going to be any good. I, I, Adam Driver tends to have good taste. It just, it would just be very weird if he made a clunker. Um, he's not really in that many bad movies, but it just looks so weird. Uh, so you got that this weekend and uh, Scream 6. And yeah, so I guess, we'll, I guess we'll see how any of those movies strike me. Maybe maybe Operation Fortune will be my Wrath of Man. You never know. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks, thanks again to Daniel for joining. Thanks to all of you for listening, and we'll see you next time.